Dear Jesus, we come before you this morning praying for a blessing. We open the Bible for no other reason than to draw close to you, to look at you and to be like you. So Jesus, be here with the Holy Spirit, we pray in your name. Amen. Now, I don't know a lot about pigs. I happen to quite like pigs, actually, but I don't know too much about them. I know they they wallow in mud. I know pigs snort and grunt. I know that pigs will eat just about anything. They, it seems to me, as I've looked at pigs over the years, that they enjoy spending time with each other. They are communal. They apparently, I've never had one, but they apparently make good pet. Of all the things I do know about pigs, and it's not much, one thing I am sure of is that pigs do not fly. Or do they? In today's story, I'm going to share with you that pigs, and it's a story from the Bible, pigs do fly and how they fly. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and we pick up the story and this is a, a wonderful story about Jesus and his ability to save human beings. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. The story goes like this. When evening had came... Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving behind the crowd, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now look what Jesus does. He's a very, very powerful person. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, we could stop that story there, but that would be unfortunate because it is, one of, it is really the beginning of one of the most wonderful stories in all the Bible. Jesus is in a boat. It gets caught in a squall while he's going to the other side of the lake. Now, I want to tell you that it was no ordinary squall. In fact, the squall was sent by Satan. How do I know that the squall was sent by Satan? Because of what Jesus had to do, the work he had to do on the other side. You see, Jesus is in the business of saving men and women, of saving their souls. Jesus, that's what Jesus is all about. Satan, he's in the business of destroying people's lives, of destroying their souls, of destroying any future that they might have. And Jesus is on the way to save a man on the other side of the lake and Satan sends a storm to stop Jesus getting to him. Now, Satan will always do whatever he can to stop you meeting Jesus Christ. He stops. He tries to stop. He tries to stop Jesus coming to you and he tries to stop you coming to Jesus. And that's why he brought this storm up. You, you know, I've, I've been pastoring, ministering now for almost 20 years. It amazes me how Satan tries to stop people coming to Jesus. I remember I was doing a Bible study on the Gold Coast with a beautiful young woman. In fact, she was, she was a model. She had a small child. She was a single mother. This, this girl was, was drinking in the studies as I shared with her the love of Jesus Christ, how Jesus came to save her. She was responding. I could see that she was going to give her heart to Jesus and she was going to go the whole way. And I was rejoicing. But you know, as I rejoiced and as the Lord Jesus Christ rejoiced, as I saw these two, Jesus and this girl coming together, the devil got into the mix. 
And he sent a storm, just like he'll send a storm to stop you meeting Jesus, to stop Jesus meeting you. And I remember coming to her place one day and knocking on the door with with my Bible in my hand to do a Bible study with this girl. And I knocked on the door and a young man answered the door. Now, now I thought, this has to be her brother. This girl hadn't had a boyfriend in four years. She used to complain to me about it a little bit. And I used to say, be patient. Jesus has someone for you. First, you give your heart to him. And that's how it works, by the way. You give your heart to Jesus and he blesses you with a partner, a marriage partner. Someone who belongs to him. Well, well, this, this, this young man poked his head out of the door. I said, well, well, hide. He said, who are you? I was a little bit taken aback. And I said, well, well I'm Lloyd. Uh, I'm the pastor. Come to do a Bible study. And he turned around and he, he cried out, honey, there's a man at the door who claims to be a pastor and he's here to do a Bible study with you. You know, I never saw that girl again. She sent a message to the door. She said, hey, Lloyd, you see the storm. She said, Lloyd, the storm, the storm's there. She said, Lloyd, uh, and she sent the message to me via this guy who happened to be her newly acquired boyfriend. She'd had him for three days and he'd moved in. Lloyd, I, I don't want any more Bible studies. You see, Satan sent a storm and he separated those two from each other. He sends a storm here, but he cannot separate them because I want to tell you that Jesus was on a mission. And when Jesus confronts Satan, when we confront Satan, often we lose. But when Jesus confronts Satan, he never loses. And so he quieted the storm and he reached the other side. And it's when he reaches the other side. That's what I want to share with you this morning. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Let's pick the story up. He's been through the storm. He's quieted the storm. He's reached the other side of the lake. This is what the Bible says. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man was demon-possessed. Verse 3. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, verse 4. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This man was demon-possessed. Demon possession is when a demon or demons, plural, come down, they come into your life, they come into your heart, they come into your mind and they take over. Demon possession, it's still around today in 2007, it's a very serious thing. It destroys the image of God in a person. When a demon takes over you, I want to tell you, it's the last thing you want to experience. Now, now I have been, as I said, I've been ministering for a number of years now, and I've had to deal with people who are demon-possessed. And I just want to interject this story just for a few moments to tell you that I believe there are four ways in 2007, in the 21st century, that you can open yourself to demon possession. Now, there are other roads that will lead to demon possession. But these are four ways I wanted to share with you very quickly this morning that can open you to demon possession. Number one, immorality. If you are sleeping around outside marriage, then there is a chance you'll be demon possessed. If the person that you are sleeping with, or the person, sometimes plural, you know the world we live in, that you are sleeping with, is fooling around with the occult, is fooling around with clairvoyance and witches and palm reading and horoscopes, then there's a chance that the demons inside of them will transfer to you. It happens. It's a fact. I've seen it with my own eyes. Number two way you can be demon possessed is drugs. It's a big road. It's a wide road to demon possession. And I've worked with many young people through the years. And I have seen what drugs do to people. Not only do they twist and wreck their lives, but they open the mind, they open the heart, they open the soul to demon possession. 
That's a very serious thing. Number three, if you fool around with the occult, listen to me. Because most of the people in 21st century Australia are doing this at one level or another. If you fool around with the occult, horoscopes, witches, spells, games, clairvoyance, then there's a chance that as your mind opens up to these evil forces that a demon or demons will enter you. It's happening today. Here in Sydney, it's happening. And you know what? Medical professions, science doesn't understand it. Does not understand demon possession, does not know how to treat it. Number four, rock music, especially heavy metal rock music. You do not have to be Einstein to work out that many of today's rock musicians are immersed in the occult. They write their songs with demons influencing, possessing them. Go and have a look for yourself on the internet. See what the rock, many of the rock musicians are claiming themselves. They are servants, they claim it. They're open about it. They're servants of the devil. You listen to their music. It becomes a part of your life. It's another road straight into your mind, straight into your heart, straight into your soul. It's another road for demons to enter you. This man is demon possessed in this story. We don't know how it happened, but somehow he got possessed and he is totally, completely out of control. So much so that they would chain him. And one of the things that does happen to people when they're demon possessed is they get superhuman strength. And they would chain him with chains and he would bust the chains apart. And he was living on the lake shore. Living on the lake shore. He was living by himself amongst the tombs in a graveyard. And you can imagine the scene. Jesus lands in the boat. Jesus gets out of the boat. And as Jesus gets out of the boat for his disciples and starts to walk up the sea shore. The disciples see this mad man. He's frothing at the mouth. His eyes are glazed over. He's completely possessed by a demon running at them and they bolt back for the boat and they leave Jesus there by himself. I want to tell you when you're in trouble. If you are having problems with demons in your life, there is no better place than you to be at the feet of Jesus Christ. And that's where this madman, this demon-possessed man found himself. Completely deranged, possessed by a demon, by demons, he finds himself at the feet of Jesus. This is why Jesus came to the other side of the lake. He's in the business of saving souls. Your soul, my soul, any soul, any heart that's open to him, Jesus will hear and Jesus will come. And I want to tell you that that morning Jesus came. Not even the devil and the fury of that storm could stop him. Mark chapter 5 verse 6, I like this. When the madman, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Demons... They are powerful, they are strong. I've, been, I've, I've, I've had confrontations with them myself. They are real. And you know, if you sit here in this church or you're watching this on television and you think demons are not real, then you are kidding yourself. I'm a normal average Australian with a normal average IQ and I've confronted them, I've seen them, I have been in the battle with them myself. They are real, they are real, they are real. But you know what? They always bow and submit themselves to Jesus Christ because demons are fallen angels. And it was Jesus who created those angels before the great rebellion in heaven. It was Jesus. And when they come before Jesus, they come before their master. And it's interesting here in verse 6 that this demon, when it came before Jesus, remember he's inside the man, but when he he comes before Jesus, verse 6 says, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. Verse 7, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, 
son of the most high God, swear to, look, look what he says, swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Jesus sees the man, had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. You know, this demon, if you look at this text carefully, inside of this man, he acknowledges the divinity of Jesus. Let me just show that to you again. What do you want with me, Jesus, the son of the most high God? He says, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. You know, when Jesus calls an evil spirit out of somebody, that evil spirit has no choice but to go out. I have seen this in my own experience. I was in Papua New Guinea. Now, I was preaching in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. That is a place immersed in the occult. It is immersed, and not all of them, there are many beautiful hundreds, thousands of wonderful Christian people up in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. But there is also a percentage, and perhaps it's a minority today, praise God, who, who still have witch doctors in their villages and who still worship uh, these evil, demonic spirits. And when you go into this area, you, you expose yourself to that sort of an experience. It's not that you desire it, it's not that you want it, but if you are a preacher like I am and you go to preach in the highlands of Papua New Guinea and you go to preach that Jesus saves, if you go to preach that Jesus is King and Jesus is Lord, you can guarantee, as sure as I'm standing here, you can guarantee you are going to confront the forces of evil. And I, I didn't look for it, I didn't long for it, I didn't want the confrontation, but I had the confrontation in Papua New Guinea. But you know that confrontation has continued since I came home. In Papua New Guinea, what happened to me? Well, I've shared it with you before. But quickly, I was asleep one night. I had been preaching a similar subject tonight when these hands came round my neck and started to choke off my breath. I reached for, to, to grab them and pull them. There was nobody there but a demon in the room and I prayed. Now, this is the important thing. You remember Jesus said to, to the demon possessed man, to the demon living in, or the demons living inside of him, come out. And, and, and the demon says, please don't, have a look at verse 7 and 8, don't torture me. It is torture for a demon to be called out of a person he possesses. Why? Because that's what they live for. They live to curse people, they live to destroy people. It is their joy, it is their honour for their master Lucifer to do it. And when Jesus called this demon out, it had to move. Well, I knew that night with these, these hands around my neck, I had no choice but to call on the name of Jesus. I call on the name of Jesus and I want to tell you that Jesus came down. Oh, he's powerful. And he removed Oh, with great power and authority, those demons hand from round my neck and threw him across the room and that demon let out a great howl like a wounded animal. But you know, when you're in the battle, it doesn't always stop there. I come home, you know, just as recently as last Monday night, I had to preach a subject last Saturday, Sabbath for Seventh-day Adventists, the biblical Sabbath, when we should all be in church worshipping the God, great God of heaven. I had to preach a sermon on this. I had to preach a sermon on, on, on the occult. Last Monday night, I'm lying in bed. I got another attack. I've learned to live with them. You know why? Because I serve the most high God. I'm not perfect. I fall. I let the Lord down often. But he is merciful to me. I am his servant. Despite my fragility and the sin that I often struggle with, I am his man. And he is my God. 
And last Monday night, I was immobilised in my bed. I could not move. I was under attack and I cry out in my mind, it's all you've got to do. Right out of my mind, Jesus, in my mind, I couldn't speak. I was completely powerless. Jesus, save me. Every time I call out on the name of the Lord to save me, when I'm in confrontation with the forces of evil, Jesus comes, Jesus is the more powerful. Jesus is the strongest. He is the creator. He is the origin of all things and demons must bow before him. And in verse 7 and 8 of Mark chapter 5, Jesus says to this demon, you've got to get out. And the demon says, I don't want to go. Jesus said, get out. So we, 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 we catch the story in, in verse 9 and verse 10. What does Jesus say? Then Jesus said to him, what is your name? Now, by the way, I'm not Jesus. I never talk to demons. I only talk to Jesus. And I want to advise you, do not, if you are being harassed by demons, do not talk to them. You just call on the name of Jesus. Verse 9, then Jesus, but Jesus is the creator. He can do whatever he wants. He's talking to one of his created beings that's fallen, that's rebelled against him, but he still is the creator. So he can talk to whoever he wants. And Jesus said, what is your name? And the demon replies to him because the demons possess this man. He says, my name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the man. Legion, this demon called himself. You know, in the Roman army of that time when this story is written, a legion, six to eight thousand soldiers. Legion, this man is in big trouble. Everything he does is demonic. His life is not his own. He has sunk so deep in sin, he cannot get out of it. But Jesus is there and Jesus comes to save us from the things we can't get out of. And this story closes magnificently. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Remember I said this study is entitled Pigs Do Fly. The demons begged Jesus. Remember demons, there were maybe six, eight thousand demons inside this man. Jesus said, who are you? He says, I'm legion. That means there are thousands, hundreds, many demons inside him. The the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were drowned. You see, the pigs rushed off the cliff into the lake. They were filled with demons and they were drowned. Now, you might say those poor pigs and I feel some sympathy for them. But these pigs belong to Israelites. And Leviticus, you can check this for yourself later on in your own Bible. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 7 to 8, the Israelites are told, don't go near a pig, don't touch a pig, don't eat a pig, don't own a pig, don't go. The pig's got nothing to do with you, Israel. And here they are, in contraband to God's law, keeping pigs, and so God sends the demons from that man into those pigs and they They go into the sea and die. Kind of reminds me of that beautiful text where Jesus says, I'll take your sins and I'll throw them to the bottom of the sea. That's what he did to this demon-possessed man. I love the end of this story. It's so beautiful. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, verse 14, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, this is a wonderful miracle. This man's been transformed. He's sane. He's healed. He's a new man. When they came to see Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. That's what Jesus does to you. He dresses you. He dresses you into the robe of his righteousness. He puts you in a right mind for the first time in your life. When Jesus comes into your heart, you start to see 
sitting there, is dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid, afraid of the miracle that God had worked in the man. And I want to tell you, when you come to Jesus and he works a miracle in your life, your friends, your family, your workmates, sometimes people that you spend time with at church, they'll become afraid of the change. Often they're afraid of the change that's come to you as Jesus has come into your heart. Oh, it's a beautiful story. Those who had seen it told people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Verse 16, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. But he said the man wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus had a work for him to do. He said, Jesus said to the man who just healed, and Jesus says to you today, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. That's not the end of the story. It could be, but it's not. If you go to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, this is only one, two chapters onwards. Mark chapter 6 verse 53, Jesus has gone away and then the Bible says he's gone away, he's done some works, he's, he's healed some people, he's done some wonderful things. And then the Bible says when they had crossed over, he goes back to Gennesaret. The Bible says when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. Remember Jesus has healed the demon possessed man. He's gone away, Jesus said, you tell the people what the Lord has done for you, what mercy he's shown for you, what a difference, what a change he's made in your life. That man goes to the villages, he goes to the towns and he begins to cry out the mercy of Jesus Christ. And everywhere he goes, he says, Jesus saves. Look at me, Jesus saves. I was demon possessed. I've been changed by Jesus. And people listen to him. I want to tell you that when Jesus comes into your heart and you've been saved, people will listen to you. Oh, they listen to you. And many will make decisions to follow Jesus. Jesus had left. He had been forced to leave. They didn't want anything to do with him in Gennesaret when they lost 2,000 pigs. A week or two, maybe a month at the most, he comes back in one month or less. Look what this man has done for Jesus. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, people recognised him. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went into the villages, towns or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched Jesus were healed. There was a revival in Gennesaret because a demon-possessed man had been healed by Jesus Christ. And when he was healed, then he went out and he told his friends, he told his countrymen. And when Jesus came back, he came back, he left to a hostile audience, he came back to a receptive one. Oh, if Jesus, if you're in need of Jesus this morning, if you've been harassed by demons or you're sunk into sin, it's as simple as saying, getting on your knees, Jesus, I'm your man or woman, come into my heart. I am a sinner. Wash me in your blood. Help me to be an overcomer. Jesus, I make you the captain of my soul. In your name, amen. He will hear your prayer. He will come into your life, into your heart, and he will change you. You want to pray for that experience. And when he does, you want to share it with anybody who will listen to you. May I pray that be your experience this morning. Jesus, thank you for being with us in this Bible study. Bless this word. Take it. Oh, may it strengthen and encourage people's hearts who are wounded, lost in darkness. May they find healing. May they find you, I pray. May you find them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.